snowy day here in Kansas City. Coming down like rain. And I'll tell you what, uh, I haven't had this, I haven't seen this much snow in this area in a, in a, in a, in a pretty long time. And I think even Kansas City, a lot of, a lot of people that have been here for a long time are like, you know, uh, we haven't seen snow in, in a few years. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's been a lot of kids here and, and that's strange cause we're up North and there's a lot of kids here that haven't had a snow day in, uh, in a couple years, but <laughs> Looks like they're probably, they, they might be having one tomorrow uh, if they don't get the roads cleared off. But hey, I hope everybody's doing well. I know it's not snowing everywhere in the country. Uh, it's probably sunny in, in California, something like that, something ridiculous like that. Sunny in, in Florida, maybe. Hawaii, I know anybody in, in Hawaii, they're, they're, they're chilling. I lived there for three years. Never gets below, I don't know, 70 during the day, maybe 65 at night, uh, and that's during the winter season when it rains a lot. But it is a snowy day here in Kansas City. There are two things I want to talk about today. Don't want to keep everybody waiting till I introduce the topics. I'm sure if I had a guest on here, we would we could just you know jibber jabber for you know 30 minutes before we actually get started. But I do not. I am flying solo. So, uh, I, there, there are two things that I thought we could talk about today. We could talk about Christmas, and we can talk about nominal believers, or nominal, not, not nominal believers, nominal Christians. So, uh, Christmas and nominal Christians. Some people would put those two things in the same boat, I'm sure. <laughs> I've expressed my love for Christmas to... Uh, to, to some people, and it's not received well. Uh, and so for that, I'm probably considered a nominal Christian. No, I don't know. Uh, there's some people out there against Christmas because uh, it is on a liturgical calendar for the Church of Rome. It's also on a, uh, a calendar for the Eastern Orthodoxy, but it doesn't fall into, into place until January 7th, I believe, for them. So with all the Christian, uh, with all the, the the Christmas naysayers, you have to ask them, you know, which Christmas are you against? The one on December 25th or the one on January 7th? Uh, because that's the uh, Western-Eastern distinction right there. The divide, one of the divides. So we can talk about Christmas, about how it doesn't always have to be a bad thing to celebrate or observe Christmas, at least in my opinion. And then we'll talk about nominal Christians and uh, some signs that uh, a person is a nominal Christian and uh, some, some, some points that we could use to evaluate our own lives to make sure that we are not just nominal Christians. Um, these are things that we should all use in our own lives to, to test ourselves to ensure that we are indeed in the fold of Christ. So Christmas first. Uh, it's coming up. It's coming up really fast. As a matter of fact, there's a month left. It's the 25th of November. No, 26th. Yeah, 26th of November. Um, and it is coming up quickly. 
Um, when, when we talk about Christmas, uh, most of the time, what people mean when they talk about Christmas, well, I, I guess that's the first question we should ask. First, we should ask, what is Christmas? And if you take the word etymologically, that is, uh, according to its, you know, take the word on its own terms, uh, the uh, morphology of the word is Christ, mas, or mass. So, formally speaking, when we say Christmas, we are saying, uh, we are saying Christ mass. Uh, it is this time of the year that the Church of Rome has the Christ mass, uh, which is a celebration of the birth of Christ. Um, so, but that's not the way, no, not everyone looks at, at it like that. Not everyone uses the term. There's a way to use words, uh, that, oh, you know, you're using a, the same word, but with a different meaning, and that's called, uh, equivocation. So a lot of people use the word Christmas equivocally to the original meaning. They use it to, to indicate a day or refer to a day where they exchange gifts and eat ham um, and, and look at pretty Christmas lights. And that's about it. Uh, oh, yeah, you can't forget. Uh, they wait for Santa Claus. Or their, their kids do because they've been majorly deceived by their parents. But that's neither here nor there. We can talk about Santa Claus at another time. Maybe we'll talk about Santa Claus here. I don't know. But a lot of people use the word equivocally. They don't mean it in the sense of the Christ mass, even though that's the rigid wooden etymology of the term. That's what it means. It's the mass of Christ, celebrating the birth of Christ. They don't use it in the sense of, or couched in the, within the context of the liturgical calendar of the Church of Rome. Uh, they use it uh, to just talk about a day that they like because there's good tasty cookies and gifts that they get to open. That's how a lot of people use it. Then I think there are a lot of Protestant believers, true believers, Christians, uh, who use the term, uh, but, and they use it in a similar way as those people who don't use it uh, to refer to the Christ Mass. They use it to uh, refer to a day that they like, that they think uh, has some good uh, some good uh, original uh, it has a good origin it's, its intention is good it's to celebrate the birth of Christ but those same people do not believe that that day should be observed within the church because they hold to the regulative principle of worship and the regulative principle of worship says that nothing that is not positively revealed in scripture positively uh, you could say uh, explicitly revealed in the scripture is to be done or practiced within the context of our worship. And so the, they, they, they personally, they like the day, they like to exchange gifts with their family and perhaps uh, uh, think on uh, the incarnation of the birth of Christ, the uh, womb of the Virgin Mary. Uh, but they do not believe that that day should be uh celebrated within an ecclesial context, within the context of the church. And that's more or less where, where I fall. I, I like Christmas. I think there's an intention behind it that's good. And if people want to recognize that in their own homes, 
privately without imposing it as a liturgical day at their own church, then fine. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If you just see it as a day to get together with family uh, and perhaps even use it as a day to evangelize your family with the gospel of Jesus Christ, then that's great. There's nothing in the regulative principle of worship that forbids something like that. What is forbidden in the regulative principle of worship is to take that, to take a preference for Christmas, and to make it a, a uh, something that we celebrate and uh, use to kind of steer the trajectory of our worship on or around, depending on when the 25th is, on or around December 25th. That's a problem. Because nowhere in Scripture does it say to celebrate the birth of Christ um, on just a particular day of the year uh, within your churches. Now, it is a good thing. It is a very good thing to celebrate the birth of Christ. In fact, we should be doing it every single week when we proclaim Christ to uh, congregations across the country. When when pastors or uh, um, gifted brothers who are preaching proclaim Christ to uh, to the people of God. So in that sense, the birth of Christ should be celebrated every week. Uh, there's nowhere in Scripture that says, reserve this one day and celebrate it, observe it as a holy day, a holiday, a holy day, uh, set it apart uh, as a special, special day, a sanctified day. There's nowhere in Scripture that says to do that. So we, we ought not do that within within our churches. So I see churches that celebrate Christmas, they, uh, they use it to, you know, they, 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 they turn their worship around in a sense, um, so that they can observe Christmas. And that's, that's exactly what the Roman Catholic church does. So there's, there's a lot of Protestant churches out there. I think that are behaving more like the Roman Catholic church. They're, they're structuring their worship according to a day that was never commanded to be observed in scripture. And the excuse is, well, if Scripture doesn't tell us we can't, then we can go ahead and 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 do it, so long as it doesn't forbid it explicitly. And the response to that should be, well, worship is one of the is the dutiful response of the creature. I don't think there's any Orthodox Protestant believer that would disagree with that. Worship is the dutiful response of the creature to God. And uh, so we also have to admit that uh, worship is something that the Bible commands and worship is something that the Bible instructs. That is, it tells us how to worship God, the ways in which it is pleasing to God for us to worship. And so when you say, well, the scripture doesn't say we can't, so therefore we can, what you're doing is you're saying that what's, what the scripture has said on worship is not sufficient. If you have to add to it to make it fuller, to make it better, to enhance it in some way, then you have to say that scripture is not sufficient to uh, meet uh, the requirements of what constitutes worship, at least at your particular local church. Because if scripture is sufficient, then it doesn't need it added to or taken away from, it's sufficient. It doesn't need touched. And so, and so taking, taking that doctrine, the sufficiency of Scripture, 
and seeing uh, our worship in light of it. And if scripture commands worship and tells us how to worship, then if we do anything else, whether that be adding to or taking away from, we are implicitly worshiping as if scripture is insufficient. And so we ought to worship according to the standard, um, according to the standard the Bible gives us. So in short, I guess that's 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 where I come down on on Christmas. Um, I don't think it's a sin to observe a particular day uh, within the privacy of your own home or within the privacy of your own families, so long as that is not becoming a standard for your local congregation, such that it changes your worship. It uh, it, it is kind of this uh, you know law almost for your church to celebrate Christmas every year. Um, I don't think that's right. Now, I understand a lot of pastors use it as a way to preach specifically on the incarnation. I don't think that's necessarily wrong because you, you have to think, on Christmas Day, there are a lot of people, or, or not necessarily on Christmas Day, but around Christmas, there are a lot of people who come to church. And it may be the first time they've stepped in church, and it may be the only time of the year they come to church and so to be able to to uh, take something of the original intention of the day Christmas and uh, capitalize on it in order to adorn the gospel uh, is 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 just kind of you know uh, a just a result of the desire to to proclaim Christ and to proclaim him in a uh, in a way that is going to um, uh, be effectively communicated using something, uh, you know, I'll be at Christmas or something else, um, to communicate the gospel effectively to unbelievers and believers alike. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But when you when you when you when you take Christmas and you you have like a special service for Christmas. You know, you have a special service on the 25th of December in order to worship uh, in a special way. And uh, this is something your church is doing because, you know, it, they, it must be done for the sake of tradition or, or whatever. That is in uh, disobedience to the scriptures because the scriptures tell us how to worship and the scriptures tell us that uh, the word of God is sufficient. And uh, we cannot deviate from that, um, no matter what we, what we, what we like to think. We can't, as believers, as people who are regenerate, born again Christians, deviate from the Word of God, and virtually admit that His Word is insufficient by adding to it that which is not there. And so I think that Christmas should stay out of, uh, as it as it's you know kind of observed in the Roman Catholic Church and in a lot of Protestant churches, Christmas should stay out of church in that sense. Now, I'm not saying, don't read me as saying the incarnation should stay out of church. The, uh, the uh, you know, the, the, the scriptural truth that God took upon himself human flesh, the second person of the Trinity became man to reconcile man unto himself, um, that is not 
that is not to stay out of church. As a matter of fact, that's a substance of the gospel. So that must be preached every week. But we should not be observing a day other than uh, Sunday, other than the Lord's Day as a church, uh, the eighth day of the week or the first day of the week. And um, uh, we should we should uh, we should only recognize that day as the day which has been ordained by God for God's people to come together in corporate worship and to uh, hear the word preached and the elements partaken of. Okay, so that's enough on Christmas. Now I think we can flow right into uh, uh, right into nominal Christianity from there. Um, let me grab. Let me actually. Let me look up uh, when when um, God addresses the seven churches in. Uh, in Revelation, he addresses uh, the church at Laodicea, and it is the lukewarm church. Now, let me see. Um, I'm cheating. I'm using a digital Bible. Uh, where are... Okay, here we go. Revelation 3, verse 14 says, To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Uh, That is uh, verses 14, uh, Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. Um, uh, Let's see. That is an intimidating passage of scripture to read. And so is this one. Matthew chapter 7, 22 and 23. Many will say to me on that day, that is judgment day. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And so what is a nominal Christian? is probably an appropriate question because there are Christians who are true Christians and sometimes act like nominal Christians. That is, they act inconsistently with their calling, you know, backsliding and all that. Uh, And then there are Christians who have no evidence of the faith they profess, yet go on calling themselves Christians. And they may even do good deeds, yet they take no heed 
to the words of Christ. Okay, so so there, there, there are two groups here that I want to distinguish between. There are those that might look like nominal Christians at some points during their uh, spiritual walk, that is true Christians who backslide. Um, they may uh, undergo some traumatic time in their life and, uh, you know, have some bad fruits. You know, some, things happen, uh, and there's forgiveness for those who have the Spirit dwelling in them and, and uh, those who trust in Christ and have faith in Him as both Lord and Savior. Then you have the group that they do not have the Spirit of God living in them, and the way it is apparent is there is no fruit ever that they are indeed a child of God. There's no evidence that they are a, a child of God. Um, and those are the people who, who you know, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, uh, yet they're out getting drunk with their friends and having, you know, premarital sex, or, or, or more subtly, they just live a silent life without regard to God and his people. Uh, there's no interaction with the people of God. They've totally abstracted themselves from the congregation. Uh, there's no interaction within the faith community. And so when you take yourself outside the camp, or when you remain outside the camp, yet call yourself a Christian, why should anyone believe you? And then how is that going to work on Judgment Day? Where you say, Lord, Lord, I profess your name. And then Jesus says, you never even exemplified an ounce of care for my people. You never even ran with my people. You never lived life with my people. And here now, you're saying, you are one of my people. How do you think that's going to turn out? That's subtle. But then you have Christians nowadays, it's quite popular to do this, to say, I'm a Christian, yet I'm going to live however I want. I'm going to live however I want because nobody can judge me but God. And, and I know I'm a Christian. I know I believe in Jesus. I'm good with God. Yet there is no regard for the word of God, for the law of God, for how to live rightly before God. There's no... <clears throat> None of that. How is that going to be received on the day of judgment or at your death? How is that going to be received? Here, here's the thing. Most nominal believers or nominal Christians, I don't want to say believers. Most nominal Christians will admit there's the Ten Commandments exist. <laughs> I mean, nobody's going to say no, they don't. There's the Ten Commandments. They may even look at them and say, I, I, I blow those off 90% of the time, you know, uh, and, and kind of laugh about it. But, oh, I don't worry about that because God is my judge and, and God's nice. But there's consequences for this. If you believe in God you believe in his righteousness. If you believe in God as he has revealed himself in Christ Jesus, you must believe the scriptures. Because the only way you know God has revealed himself in Christ Jesus is because of the scriptures. So to take the truth that God has indeed 
revealed himself in the scriptures, and then to say, well, other parts of those scriptures do not apply to my life, is totally inconsistent. How can you take a document and trust one part of it and mistrust or distrust the other part of it? How can you take one part of God's word and trust some of it, but totally not trust the other part of it? That doesn't make any sense. So if the Bible is true, all of it's true. Um, if it's not true, if any part of it's not true, then how do we know we can believe any other part of it? Okay? So when, when, you, when, you, when you say, I believe in Jesus, the only reason you believe in Jesus, yeah, sure, maybe from your, from your family, but the only reason they believe in Jesus is because what the Bible has said about God, that God has become a man to reconcile man unto himself. That's the only way God, that's the only way Christ is revealed. That's the only way Christ is offered to people is in the scriptures and in the ordinances properly administered in his church. Those are the only ways. You know, you can't deduce from nature or your own feelings on the inside that, you know, Jesus, uh, Jesus exists and this is who he is to me. That's not how it works. Because God has, the second person of the Trinity has become man, and he has said some things while he was here on earth. And he said some significant things. Some things that if we choose not to listen to them, we will indeed perish in our sins. Matthew 7, verses 23 and 24 are a prime example. I never knew you. Depart from me you who practice lawlessness. And what what is happening here in 22 and 23? Matthew 7, 22 and 23. There are many people, according to Jesus, who on judgment day will say, will, will call them Lord. So they'll acknowledge, you are my Lord, right? Verbally, they'll acknowledge that. You are my Lord. There's no problem. They don't, they don't have a problem with calling him Lord. And then they even say, they go step further and say, didn't we do things for you? Did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons? So even these people, they, they acknowledge him as Lord. And then they say, we have deeds that prove that we think of you as Lord. We have deeds and in your name, we performed many miracles. And then Jesus says to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. And then he says, you who practice lawlessness. These people were people who were telling Jesus that he was Lord. They were saying, we've done all of these things. Right? We've done all of these things. But they, they were doing things according to what they thought was right. They were not living according to the word of God. They were living according to their own word. Okay? This 
this this is this is the problem with nominal Christianity. They want to believe in Jesus, but they want to live according to their own word, not according to the word of Christ. And so when the word of Christ is actually brought to bear on their lives, they are surprised, right? Or they're uh, they're offended. How dare you tell me that? They have created a Jesus in their own mind that does not comport with the true Jesus. They have created things that they believe Jesus wants them to do that Jesus never said he wanted them to do. Obey my word. Well, where's his word? The scriptures. We obey the scriptures. As Christians, we're driven back to the word of God time and time again. How do I live my life in light of the fact that I've been called out of the world by God, that he has put his spirit in me, and that I now am considered a child of God? How do I live like that? Interestingly, I ran into individuals in California all the time when we do our little evangelism outreaches on Saturdays at Balboa Park. I would run into people all the time. Oh, yeah, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. What church are you a part of? Oh, uh, I don't go to church. Well, why not? Well, because, you know, it's a matter of the heart. I've got Jesus in here. I can pray and read my Bible at home. Really? Really? Okay. So if you're a believer in Jesus, and you believe in what his word says, then you're concerned to do what his word says, obviously. But no, they're not. They want to do what they want to do. They don't care about what Jesus has said. It ultimately comes down to a heart problem. These people are not regenerate. They're not believers because they and, and the, the way we can tell that that's the case is they don't care what their Lord, their supposed Lord, has said. If you're a nationalist and you love your president, you care about what he says. You watch him on C-SPAN, you watch him on Fox News, you watch him on MSNBC, CNN, so on and so forth. You watch the president, even if you don't like the president, you watch the president, you listen to what he says because you care. Because he affects the country. And if you're a big fan of the president, you're very careful to listen to what he says. This goes for any, 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 any big name that you might be a fan of. If you're a fan of, uh, of Bruno Mars, if you're a fan of uh, Bill Gates or, or Warren Buffett, uh, you know, or you know, the, the crazy guy on, on you know, TV that talks about the stock market all the time, Kramer or whatever his name is, if you're a fan of these people, you listen to what they say and you heed their words because you value them. You value their opinion. In the Middle Ages, when people were fond of their king, they, they valued the words of their king and they obeyed the words of their king. And you could tell when they were rebellious, when the nobles and the peasants were rebellious when they did not respect their king, when they did not care about their king, when they, when they hated their king, they did not listen unless they were forced to. They were rebels. Sometimes they struck up rebellions. 
with other nobles from different parts of, uh, of Europe and would go to war with their king. Uh, others would just sit silently within their own homes and not do, or at least not want to do, what their kings, uh, what their leaders had, had told them to do. And so when you have people that you, that you like, people that you respect, you do what they say, or you, you value what they have to say. But a nominal, here's the thing, nominal Christians do not value what Christ has to say. And this is obvious because passages like this, let me see. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Who is the one another there? That's the church. Let us, believers, stimulate other believers to love and good deeds. Okay. Not forsaking our own assembling together. So not forsaking the gathering together of ourselves. And then he says, as is the habit of some. Instead, he says, encouraging one another. We need to encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So there's a sense of urgency with the idea of gathering together often. Do not forsake your own assembling together. In the gospel accounts, the disciples were together all the time. After Christ was crucified, the disciples were meeting together. And uh, they were doing that which Christ had instituted before he was put on the cross. That is breaking bread and taking of the cup. Paul, more uh, in a detailed fashion, codifies the Lord's Supper in, in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians. But they were together often. They loved one another. And so that's one example. Uh, we have pulled out of the church. We don't care about the church. I can, I can have my religion at home. I can read the Bible and do good deeds. But Jesus shuts that down at Matthew 7. Utterly destroys it. Destroys that idea. Oh, you've done all these great things in my name, supposedly, but you have not listened to a word I have said. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Um, that, that, is, uh, that is nominal Christianity in a nutshell. You can't claim a Lord and then act like Nothing that they say matters. Because that's not how we live our lives, is it? If we claim that we are in love with someone, uh, let's take our own spouses. If we love our spouses, we care about what they have to say. Uh, if you love Christ, you care about what he has to say. But when there's a total disregard for the scriptures, when there's a total disregard for the commands that bear on your life, on what you do on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, and you don't heed those words, it is evident that you do not care about your Lord or the Lord you profess to have. That's what nominal Christianity is. 
They like the idea. Some, some people, some people, some nominal Christians go to church every Sunday. And they do things at the church. But they do things at the church and they go to church for all the wrong reasons. It's a social club. They like that they have something to do. It gets their blood pumping. Uh, they have something to occupy their time. They're retired or whatever. So, so nominal Christians don't only just not go to church. There's a lot of nominal Christians in our churches. And they're, they're going to church for all the wrong reasons. They're not going to be with the people of God. They're going to feel good about themselves. They're uh, going so they can stay active. They're going because they like to, uh, you know, run programs and stuff like that. There's no sense of reverence for the Lord Jesus Christ or sense of servitude for his people. None of that. Um, so, yeah, nominal Christianity in a nutshell. And, and by the way, lest I be confused with someone who's going to drop the mic and walk away righteously, these are things we should all be checking ourselves on. I mean, without question, we are sinners. And uh, let me let me read a passage from the London Baptist Confession of Faith, the Second London Confession of Faith. Uh, on it's in the chapter on assurance. It's one of the ways that we can tell we are a child of God. Um, let's see here. Okay. Okay, paragraph two. The certainty is not a bare conjectural or probable persuasion grounded upon a fallible hope, but an infallible assurance of faith founded on the blood and righteousness of Christ revealed in the gospel and also upon the inward evidences of those graces of the Spirit unto which promises are made and on the testimony of the Spirit of adoption, witnessing with our spirits that we are the children of God and as a fruit thereof keeping the heart both humble and holy. So there's basically four ways we can tell that we are a true child of God. We trust, we have faith in the blood and righteousness of Christ revealed in the gospel. We also have inward evidence of the work of the Spirit in us. So we are concerned about what our Lord has to say, and we are concerned that we obey it. And while our obedience will not be perfect, we grow in repentance and we desire to obey better. That is a fruit of the Spirit. And on the testimony of the Spirit of adoption, witnessing with our spirits that we are indeed children of God. That's this uh, idea of the Spirit giving us comfort when we read the Word, when we hear it preached, when we take of the Lord's Supper. The Spirit works in us to comfort us that, hey, you are, you are partaking of the body and blood of Christ by the Spirit. You are hearing the Word of God and receiving the Word of God and, and desiring to live according to the Word of God. These are things that should comfort you as a believer because these are fruits of the Spirit. So we can know we're a child of God. We can know we're not a nominal Christian or a Christian with an empty profession because these things are evident within us. So I'll go ahead and leave it on that. I'll close out here, but uh, it's important. So we talked about Christmas and we talked about <laughs> nominal Christianity. Christmas is not a sin if understood correctly. 
uh, but it should not be used, uh, it should not be observed in the church. Um, because nowhere are we commanded to celebrate the, the, um, the um, birth of Jesus in the church on a particular day. Now, we are, we are commanded to preach the whole counsel of God, which involves the incarnation, the virgin birth, and so on and so forth. And those things ought to be presented to the congregation regularly. Um, but there is no command to set apart a, another day in addition to the Lord's day uh, to, to observe the birth of Christ. Um, and if the scriptures are sufficient, I went into the sufficiency of scripture. If the scriptures are sufficient, then it would be an implicit denial of the sufficiency of scripture to add to it or take away from it. And then we talked about nominal Christianity. Uh, I, I basically here, I define nominal Christianity as uh, that uh, identification with the Christian faith, um, which is which is empty and substanceless. It's not a, it's not a true, it's not a true, uh, the claim to faith is that it doesn't hold under close scrutiny. It's not a true claim. It's a false claim. It's a false profession of faith. Um, the nominal Christian community is made up of, uh, false professors of Christ. And it is that community that will be told that, that, that will stand before Christ. They'll try to give all these excuses in the book. And Christ will say, depart from me. You never cared about what I said. Why are you calling me Lord? You never cared about anything I said. Why are you telling me that you love me? You never cared about anything that I said. Get out of here. That's going to be the response. Pray to God that he gives you the tools necessary to evaluate yourself. That you're not found to be a nominal Christian. Pray for me that I'm not found to be a nominal Christian. Pray for my family. Pray for my my son, Oliver, that, 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 he's, that, that the Lord would save him, that he wouldn't be a nominal Christian. That he just because he's raised on the on you know in a Christian household doesn't mean he's going to be a Christian. Jesus says you have to be born again to Nicodemus. And in Titus 3:5, regeneration, washing and renewal of the spirit. Those things have to happen in order for a person to be brought into the covenant of grace, to be brought into the new covenant. So that's all for now, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Again, God bless y'all. If you like this, please share it, like it, give me feedback, uh, comments, questions, welcomed, all that good stuff. So God bless you guys. Have a good one.